Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Everyone is Jen. You know Jess and I often talk about how Aloe Moves helps us stay fit. But May is Mental Health Awareness Month, so I really wanted to point out how amazing the site and app are for mental health as well. It is so easy for me to get stuck in a rut mentally or get stressed out or feel lonely when I'm working from home. I'm guessing you've all been there too. But I found that a much more productive way to deal with those feelings or even just like a bad day is to hop on alomoves.com and reset. Allo Moves is the award-winning on-demand streaming wellness platform app and website that has workouts, mindfulness, nutrition, self-care, and more to help boost your mental and physical well-being. I also love that I can take the same class as friends or connect with other members in the community comments. Allo Moves really brings people together. Lately, I have been very into the five-minute relaxation body scan with Susie Mark Shifflin. Guys, Susie is the most soothing instructor. She incorporates these sound bath sounds into her head-to-toe relaxation exercise. It's so easy to do. Obviously, there are also yoga classes and exercise classes and so many other things you can learn and check out on allomoves.com, but I just had to share that one with you. Find yourself together when you join Allo Moves. Join the community on allomoves.com today and use code FATMASCARA20 for an exclusive 30-day free trial plus 20% off an annual membership. That's allomoves.com code MASCARA20 for a 30-day free trial plus 20% off an annual membership. Again, that's allomoves.com and the code is MASCARA20. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff. With real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. very special. Actually, it is um, a panel that I hosted a couple weeks ago called Bad Beauty. It was at the Strand Bookstore. I was there taking photos like a proud mom. Jess was supportive in the back row, absolutely. Um, But it was a couple of authors and we talked about what it's like to write about beauty in a post-Lena Dunham world. So it's Georgia Clark, Phoebe Robinson uh, from the podcast So Many White Guys, (laughs) um, Emily Schultz, and Autumn Whitefield-Madrano. Who was on the podcast, and you guys really liked that. Yeah. She that, was, that, that one did really well. Yeah, that was a good episode. So this is us doing the panel. We apologize in advance if the, the sound isn't that great. We weren't in the studio, but we hope you enjoy it. We wanted you to be there, so this is our way. 
I'm really psyched to have a terrific panel of fantastic writers here tonight to discuss the ways that appearance shapes identity, that beauty standards, or the beauty standards that we challenge and live by every day, and how we talk and write about the ways we look, all in celebration of Georgia Clark's recently released novel, The Regulars. Joining Georgia tonight on the panel are comedian, writer, and one of the rock stars behind the podcast, Two Dope Queens, Phoebe Robinson, author, podcast, and co-founder of Joyland Magazine, Emily Schultz, journalist and face value author, Autumn Whitefield Medrano, and finally as moderator, Jennifer Goldstein, beauty editor at Marie Claire and co-host of the Fat Mascara podcast. Please join me in welcoming these magnificent women to Strand. Yes, I just cheered for myself. <laughs> Hi guys, welcome, welcome to Bad Beauty. We decided to have a beauty panel on the ugliest day of the year and the ugliest <laughs> month of the year. Um, but here we are to talk about beauty and what it means to us, beauty standards and everything going on today. I'm gonna let the women here introduce themselves so you can know what their books are about and why the hell they belong on this panel in the first place. Phoebe, why don't you start? Uh, yes, so my book is coming out October 4th, and it's called You Can't Touch My Hair, um, and other things I still have to explain, and it's an essay collection about race, gender, pop culture stuff, some personal stories from my life, my obsession with, like, Michael Fassbender and U2, <laughs> there's a lot happening in this book, um, and it was super fun to write, it's my first book, I'm very excited, and hopefully you guys will read it. It comes out in October 4th, Got so it. it's a little ways away. Put it on your list. My name's Georgia Clark. My book, The Regulars, came out a couple of weeks ago. It has a beautiful pink cover. Uh, I see some people holding it. And it's about three young women living in Brooklyn who get their hands on something called Pretty, which turns you into your ideal physical self for one week at a time. So it deals pretty explicitly with the allure and idea of beauty, the upsides and the downsides. My name is Emily Schultz, and my recent novel is called The Blondes. Uh, it's newish, um, and what it is is it's about a rabies-like virus that makes women, blonde women, natural or dyed, rage out. And um, I wrote it because I felt like people aren't afraid enough of women, and maybe they should be, and we should get angry because there's a lot of shit going on. Amen. Um, my name is Autumn White Madrano. I'm the author of Face Value, The Hidden Ways Beauty Shapes Women's Lives. And it looks um, at sort of the generation of women who came of age after the ideas in the beauty myth were floating around out there. And what I found was that there was a lot of complex and contradictory attitudes toward beauty, which is why I'm really excited for this panel. Yeah, that brings up the point of the panel, which is the beauty standard. When I first heard that word, I was like, is there still a beauty standard? And we talked about this a bit, and we, we sort of agreed there is. So Georgia, since you are the reason we are here, what is the beauty standard you sort of grew up with and you've been holding yourself up to, and do you think it's still around? Um, well, the beauty standard that I kind of looked to explore in the fiction of the regulars was, and the way the pretty works on the girls is this sort of in this sort of homogenous way in which it kind of makes them sort of thinner, uh, tone, more tone, like lustrous hair, clear skin, like sort of proportioned, like ass and boobs. So in a way that kind of uh, cuts across a lot of different 
sort of ideas of what we think beauty is. I think that I think it's such an interesting interesting question because I think the beauty standard is something that changes within whatever kind of tribe you're in, yeah. and that we all, in this kind of day and age, I. I don't think that we're all just sort of these slaves to Maybelline ads and are, we are expressing ourselves through the ways that we present ourselves, but at the same time, I'm just sort of interested in the parameters of choice with it. Like, if we all just stopped grooming ourselves, you know, would we still be as powerful as we want to be? You know, that's sort of a question I'm interested in. So I definitely think that beauty standards exist in a very kind of commercial mainstream sense and within sort of like the communities that I sort of see here in this room. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what I was interested in exploring in The Regulars. And Phoebe, if, if we talk about the beauty tribe and living up to the beauty standard in a beauty tribe, did you have any beauty standard you tried to live up to growing up or do you now? Uh, yeah, I think being a woman of color in America is like, Okay, uh, just because most things are not, uh, you're very much reminded that, hey, you don't look like what, I don't look like Jennifer Aniston, like I will never look like her and that's totally fine by me, but um, it does, you, you feel like you, there's a lot of Eurocentric stuff that's happening, you don't fit within that, and in my book I have this essay where I talk about my hair journey and how I used to, I used to perm my hair. This is a weave because I can't deal with my fro in the summer. It's too much of a thing. Black people know they're nodding. Uh, it's just, it's a lot of work. So I, I, I'll wear weaves in summer. Um, but yeah, I talk about my hair journey, how I went from like straightening my hair and like the conditioning of that. Cause I, I mean, my mom started straightening my hair when I was like five or six years old. And then I was perming my hair for a while and really damaged my hair. I just went through all the feels of like, you know, learning what my identity is and why I was so tied to having my hair straightened and not natural and like how I perceive myself as pretty or not pretty based on my hair and how societal pressure puts a lot on women, on black women in particular where you, people just think like, oh, black women just love spending tons of money on their hair because they're just like careless and they're frivolous and it's like for black women in particular, it's a very, that's like the first thing that people see about you yeah. and people literally decide who you are based on what your hair means to them. And so when we're spending this money on our hair, it is not just because we just wanna blow hundreds of dollars. It's really like, this will affect what kind of jobs I get. This will affect like what kind of dates I get asked at all. And so there's all these factors that go into it and then like makeup and I live in Brooklyn and even living in Brooklyn, it's hard. It's a tribe. Brooklyn's a tribe. It's hard for me to find foundations sometimes. I'm like, okay, this is annoying. If you can't find it in Brooklyn, like where? Yeah. So there's a, there's a lot to it, and it's. So it, you do feel there is still a standard, oh, and you're striving sure, for it. Oh, for sure, for sure, for sure. But I, I feel like I'm just pretty much like I'm just gonna do me. I'm 31. I don't give a shit anymore. I really don't. <laughs> I just don't. It's like uh, whatever. You do. Uh, people do evolve as they get yeah. older. Um, Emily. You, your book actually talks about hair quite a bit. The yeah. standard. I'm, I'm very excited to read Phoebe's as soon as it comes out because I'm obviously obsessed with hair. And um, I had a lot of hair issues growing up uh, for a white girl, <laughs> which is that my hair is, is, is quite coarse and curly, and I always tried to straighten it. My parents kept it short. My parents were very practical, Midwestern types. My mother would never call herself feminist, but, you know, they were coming out of the hippie era and the idea of doing anything, makeup, hair nail polish like I really didn't do it when I was growing up because I really wasn't allowed it was just frowned upon they were very practical people 
And so um, I, I have a, a complex relationship to beauty, which is that I was kind of a tomboy and I was kind of raised in this natural setting where you don't do this stuff, because why would you? Because it's just dumb. And then at the same time, you know, as I got older, you know, into adolescence, I was exploring that more. And that was, for me, a kind of rebellion, I think, was, you know, to embrace anything that was um, super feminine because I was, you know, dressing in my brother's clothes and wearing short hair my whole life. But, so I've always had a very complicated relationship with my hair and whether or not to grow it, whether or not to cut it. Um, right now, I mean, I was just here doing an event at the Strand about two months ago. I don't know if anyone was at the bad women event, but at that point my hair was much darker. I've let it go silver. So that's my struggle now is whether or not I'm going to let it silver. But. I love the fact that like all of you have so much to say about this when you think like <laughs> it's so it's such a super it seems superficial. It's just what we look like, but it does mean so much to us. Um, it's Autumn, definitely not superficial. Yeah, it's not though. It's not. And, and Autumn, in your book, you talk about not so much a beauty standard, but a beauty imperative. Can you explain what that means and what, what you really are trying to say with that? Yeah, in interviewing uh, women for the book, I found that, as Georgia points out, like there's not necessarily this, there's no longer one beauty standard. There's a lot of different beauty standards. But the thing that all those standards have in common is that you have to meet them or you have to appear to be trying to meet them. So the idea is like you can have whatever standard you want, boho girl or Upper East Side princess, or, but whatever it is you have, it's imperative that you meet it and that you look like you're trying to meet it. And so like, there's just that, that constriction that women face is what I found was more in common rather than everyone striving for this, for this once upon a time beauty standard that maybe was a little more common like say 30 years ago. And do you think men have their same kind of standard like that? I think men definitely, they face pressures, of course, to look a certain way, and I think that that's increasing on men, but as far as, like, the beauty imperative, no, like, men can look like shit, and, like, no, everyone's got, like, we talked about uh, Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton, like, remember when Hillary Clinton, she was Secretary of State, she showed up to a breakfast meeting with no makeup, and media, people freaked out, feminists were like, that's awesome, and people were like, why is she doing that, that's unprofessional, can you imagine if she's shown up to the Democratic primary debates looking like Bernie Sanders with, like, her hair all over the, like, she would have been, you, you know, hounded down. So the idea is you still have to look a certain way. Like what, whatever way you're trying to look, that might vary, but it's imperative but you, that you, you do find it. there is still one. Yeah. So as you guys were writing your books, you have different types of books here. We have an, you know, a memoir, fiction, nonfiction. Did you find your, your beauty standard evolving? Like Phoebe, as you were writing about your hair or about you talked to your, um, I think it's your niece yeah, in your book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you find yourself learning new things about you know, and wanting to move beyond this standard? Um, I mean, I guess it's kind of easier for me to like move beyond the standard because the standard in America is a, a white woman and I'm not white, so I'm already out. You're just like, fuck it, you know, moving I'm already, on. Yeah, so for me, it was just, uh, it was just more like me, like looking back on my journey to like where I am now and like having a, a two-year-old niece, she's biracial and she's gonna face certain challenges too. Um, but she might also get certain advantages because she's very, she's very light-skinned. And so if you like saw her just like in passing, you go, oh, that's like a little white girl. Hmm. So you know, I think what she's gonna go through is gonna be markedly different than what I go through. Right. So it's just more of me just kind of being like, giving her like whatever advice I can based on my time on the planet. Sure. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like I've gotten to a place where I, I mostly accept the way that I look. I mean, sure. I will always be insecure that my boobs are not bigger, but that's a thing that's 
it's fine. <laughs> At the end of the day, it's like, okay, I'm an eight cup, I'm gonna own it. Um, Wait, so spe in, speaking of boobs, in your book, when people took the pretty, mm -hmm. I noticed they got bigger boobs, they got longer hair, they got better skin. When you were writing your book, which is fiction, so it's different, did you find yourself being like, I can't believe I'm writing this as the beauty standard still? Did you evolve what you think of as the beauty standard? I think I wrote the book. I think when you, and any fiction novelist in the room would probably attest to this, like I think after you, or really anyone working on like a creative art piece, like afterwards, after all the dust has settled, you can sort of stand back and look at it and be like, oh, that's why I wrote this. Like, mm -hmm. I get it now. And I think I wrote the regulars because I really wanted to address my own self-esteem issues. And at the beginning of the process, I wanted to write about beauty because I went through a couple of, you know, years in New York when I was single and really wanted to be in a relationship and felt I had friends and I had had a, a young adult novel come out. So I sort of, you know, was going okay in other areas, but I would sort of look in the mirror and see an ugly face. And it was this, I came to believe that I was like secretly really ugly and no one was like gonna ever tell me and I would like cry into like Skype to my mother and be like, I'm so ugly. And she'd be there in Australia being like, you're not darling, you're so beautiful. You know, as all of our mothers think we're so beautiful. And then I sort of like came out of that dark period and like looked back on it and was like, wow, that was, really intense, why did I feel that way? And if I felt that way, I, you know, I'm sure I'm not alone. So the book was really to kind of, it, like, really force myself to have some hard, like, conversations to get to a stage where I could look in the mirror and feel satisfied with the face I saw there, which I think is such a... It is a difficult journey to go through and it is like a journey I think every like, woman you kind of have to it's like on you no one else can like help you get there and I, a couple of things really changed when I was writing the book I stopped wearing makeup to work because I would I was writing the book in between working in like a sort of a vaguely corporate creative job at a um, premium cable company uh, mm -hmm. four days a week and I'd like wear makeup in the morning you know I just like you know foundation blush mascara like it wasn't like a full show but it wasn't nothing and as I was writing it I'm like well I don't really like wearing it and I don't think anyone really cares and I sort of spend all day like being like oh, oh no I can't touch my face like and I love rubbing my face and just like I'm always like wiping my eyes and I'd be like I can't be human and and I just was like, I think I'm just going to stop wearing it to work. And of course, nothing happened. Like, no one even knew. And I was like, oh, that's, that feels good, you know. And um, I think so in, when yeah. you wear makeup, do you ever wear makeup now? And if you do, no, why? I don't. Never. No, of not right I'm now. I'm wearing it right now. Okay. Wake <laughs> up <laughs> like this. So, so that's an interesting topic. When you do actually put it on now, what's the reason you're putting it on then? Yeah, I really decided to wear it if I was like celebrating something, like rather than just wearing it as like a, a kind of um, part of the uniform. Armor. Yeah, as like armor, I would be wearing it because like I'm excited to be here and I'm like, you know, putting on like a nice outfit or I'm like at a party I want to be at rather than like I wouldn't wear it if I was like going to work or just going to the bank. The office or... does not merit that. Yeah. Like, no, no, they don't do that. they're not going to have me there. Are you kidding? Well, and Emily, what about you? Do you 
A, wear makeup, and if you do, why do you wear it? I'm wearing makeup now, and you should all consider yourselves special. <laughs> special occasions only. Yeah. No, I wear it if I'm going out to an event. If I'm on stage, I wear it. In my neighborhood, I do not wear it. If I'm going for coffee with an old friend, no way. If I'm going for coffee with someone I need to impress or I want to impress or they're new and I'm excited about them, then I wear it. But it's really... Are you mad that you have to put it on no, for them? No, I don't have to put it on. It's something I really... I didn't wear makeup at all when I was young, at all. Like a chapstick before I went out. That was getting ready. And as I've gotten older, because I'm 42 now, I tend to wear a little bit more because my complexion is not what it was, and it just evens me out a bit. But I really... So it's more of like a little corrective and a little yeah, confidence boost. A little confidence boost. But, you know, I mean, it's really funny. We're talking about beauty standards, and I feel like when I'm out and about in the city and I'm riding on the subway, I look at people and I just think everyone is so beautiful. Like, everyone that I see is so lovely. You know, like the older women... The young, the young men, the young queer girls, everybody's so beautiful to me. I just look at them and I'm like, they're so beautiful. And I was thinking about this and I was like, but why do I have this perfect standard for myself? And for everybody else, I'm like, I just see them and I like them. So I think a lot of women do that. Yeah, and that's what I was thinking is that I think a lot of people feel that way when they look in the mirror, they see the flaws. Yeah. But someone else would see the strengths. Right. And Autumn, you have firsthand experience with this. You interviewed hundreds of women for your book, Face Value. What did you find, like, the reason they put makeup on was? Was it one reason? Were there lots of reasons? There were, there were lots of reasons. And that was one of the more interesting things that emerged for me. Because I had I had come from, I had, I've always worn makeup, but I was wearing it more to just conceal. Like, I would wear, like, literally concealer on my face or mascara to, like, correct the white tips of my lashes. And what I found in talking with women and in looking at academic research on this was that there were... There's a zillion reasons why women wear makeup. Um, but we primarily, like women do wear it to conceal and we wear it to enhance or to attract, you know, uh, evolutionary biologists would have a field day with that. Um, but the idea, the idea being like, I, as I wrote the book, I got more and more entranced with the idea of wearing makeup for fun and for pleasure and for not attracting attention from men or whatever, but just, a, almost like a butterfly. Like, I wanted to be more colorful. So I wear a lot more makeup I mean, look now. At the Olympics. You know? Like, we were just talking about this. I don't think they're putting makeup on to, like, hide anything. It's a celebratory thing. Phoebe, do you, do you wear makeup every day? And if so, why? No. I, just <laughs> No, I mean, my mom never really wore makeup. I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, I didn't really... I never really wore makeup. I want to say... My, I think the first time I really wore makeup was my senior prom, and I went um, to the mall. Because um, <laughs> my mom doesn't know how to do makeup, so I had to go to like this, it's like this kiosk outside, like a Dillard's or whatever. And the woman did my makeup, and uh, she, <laughs> and I look at, at the pictures now, she like didn't have the right foundation. So it was, it was like kind of like a weird, a like Casper-y yeah. ghost thing happening on my face. And I was like, this is what it's like to be black, okay? <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, my rule is if it's over 80 degrees and I don't have a shoot, I do not wear makeup because I'm a sweaty person. I don't have time for it. So I've been bare-faced like all of August. It's, it's been like a phenomenal. really logical decision. It's I like so that. Nice. There's rules even. Yeah, so I really, it's really only for like... If I have to be on camera, or if I'm like going on a date, maybe like the first like five dates, I'll be like, all right. <laughs> and after that, I'm like, this is me. It's it's fine. I've actually yeah. met women that are married to people and 
still get up early to put That's on makeup. That's crazy. Isn't that it crazy? Doesn't get matter. up early to put it on makeup. Doesn't matter. And if he cares, he's a f- piece of garbage. It, like it doesn't. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like get a grip. Like looks just don't matter. I just don't care. Well, hopefully not to the person you're sleeping with. Right. Yeah. I mean, they do. You want to be attracted to the person, but that like presentational kind of like mm-hmm. you have to like to expect your partner to look a specific way all the time like that's crazy talk crazy yeah. yeah and you ladies that worked in fiction that wrote fiction when you were creating your characters did you like pull out an ad from a magazine and be like I'm gonna just like how do you come up with a look for a girl when it's not you it's not the way you feel about beauty or hair um, why don't you go ahead Georgia? um with the regs, I, it was really important for me to have three different young women. They're all in their early 20s. And I definitely didn't want to have, like, three white characters. So there's... Um, uh, Krista is Southeast Asian. I lived... I had, like, a Southeast Asian Australian roommate back in Australia, and she's modelled... Don't tell her. Um, <laughs> just between us. I modelled pretty heavily on that character in this book. She's Krista, and she's, like, Southeast Asian American. Uh, and, and Evie uh, and Willow, who's Dutch American... And for their looks, like in fiction, I think you really want to have like a light touch when describing how someone looks. Like you sort of want it to feel like the narrator never actually told you how they look, but you have a very clear idea in your head. So uh, in creating their looks, I mean, they all sort of like, they all physically look different and they all have different attitudes towards beauty and have different kind of takes on their self-esteem. It's really kind of my personality in a way, just sort of, broken down into three different categories and sort of like uh, heightened. So that's kind of how I like a- approach their sort of looks. And I-, I wanted them to feel like people that I, they're from Brooklyn, you know, like I like writing in this book, it's people that are familiar to me, like my community and... Um, Your tribe. Yeah, my tribe. Emily, what about you? Uh, how do you describe your characters? How do you come up with their looks? Well, the, the lead character in the book is, um, her name is Hazel, and she's a redhead, and I did that because I, um, a book about blondes raging out, I didn't want to play the blonde brunette dynamic, and so I thought, let's put her in the middle, right in the middle, so maybe she can be, you know, at risk for this v- blonde virus, or maybe not. Um, and I also wanted to do that because, you know, red hair is very rare and there are stereotypes around all kinds of hair types. And I wanted the book to explore not just hair color, but also how we identify with hair. Um, so everyone is at risk for the virus eventually. Um, women of color who bleach their hair are at risk. Older women, suddenly people think they're at risk because they're silver haired, because they're gray haired, which is close to blonde. We're screwed. Yep, everybody's screwed. And it basically, you know, it, com- it becomes like this parable about discrimination against women in general and also women and how we find power. Um, for Hazel, um, I made her kind of a frumpy character. She's a grad student, and that's how she would describe herself. She narrates the book, so she describes herself as being slightly um, chubby with glasses and terrible, terrible hair. And um, it's interesting because... That's her perception. But at the same time, I think if you were to meet her, I don't know who she... 
Listen, there are so many skincare products on the market claiming to help reduce fine lines and wrinkles, and you know I will try most of them. But how do you know your products are actually working? Some research to back up the claims. That's why Jess and I are all about Ritual. They created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted a clinical study to take the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual's highest hair is now a part of my skincare routine, and I got in the habit of taking it every day by putting the cute little purple jar right next to my sunscreen. It looks nice on my vanity, and let's be honest, I love that. But once I stuck with the habit, I really noticed a difference in my skin. I am not the only one. In a clinical study, taking Hyacera for 90 days led to a 3.6 time reduction in crow's feet wrinkles as compared to placebo. And it led to a 2.9 increase in skin smoothness. I also like that they're easy to swallow. The capsules sort of taste like vanilla. They're not all weird and fishy like some other supplements. Plus, Ritual is a certified B Corp, something we learned about on a recent episode. And all their supplements, including the Daily Protein and their Sleep Bio Series Melatonin Supplement, are vegan, gluten-free, and made traceable. Do what Jess and I did. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash mascara. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash mascara for 25% off. Summer is fast approaching, which means it's shapewear season. Just kidding. It's really wedding season. But I just got an invitation to a wedding in Philadelphia, and guess what I'll be wearing? Honey love. I'm not sure about the rest of the outfit or the dress, but the shapewear is going to be honey love. Here's why. Honey Love has revolutionized compression technology so you no longer have to feel like you're suffocating when you're wearing shapewear. Plus, they have lingerie-inspired design details that you'll want to show off, and all their fabrics are breathable to keep you nice and cool, which is perfect for hot days. Let me tell you a story. I remember being at a wedding, this was a few years ago, pre-Honey Love, and I wore a jumpsuit, and I wasn't sure if the bathroom door locked well, but I had to take off the entire jumpsuit and then roll down the shapewear to pee, and I was like holding onto the back of the door at the same time, completely naked in the bathroom, and it took so long, and I caused this whole backup of the bathroom line, and after that, I was like, never again. Until Honey Love came along. Honey Love's superpower shorts have a 100% cotton gusset, so you don't have to wear underwear underneath. And there's a convenient opening in the underwear area, so you don't have to take off the whole thing to go to the bathroom. It's so easy. Honey Love products make you look good and feel good. Whether it's for a wedding, event, an everyday boost of confidence, Honey Love is the perfect plus one. Treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com mascara. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off. That's honeylove.com slash mascara. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Honeylove.com slash mascara for 20% off. The summer vibes are just getting started, so shape your life with Honey Love. everyone, it's Jen. You know Jess and I often talk about how aloe moves helps us stay fit. But May is Mental Health Awareness Month, so I really wanted to point out how amazing the site and app are for mental health as well. It is so easy for me to get stuck in a rut mentally or get stressed out or feel lonely when I'm working from home. I'm guessing you've all been there too. But I found that a much more productive way to deal with those feelings or even just like a bad day is to hop on alomoves.com and reset. Allo Moves is the award-winning on-demand streaming wellness platform app and website that has workouts, mindfulness, nutrition, self-care, and more to help boost your mental and physical well-being. I also love that I can take the same class as friends or connect with other members in the community comments. Allo Moves really brings people together. 
Lately, I have been very into the five-minute relaxation body scan with Susie Mark Shifflin. Guys, Susie is the most soothing instructor. She incorporates these sound bath sounds into her head-to-toe relaxation exercise. It's so easy to do. Obviously, there are also yoga classes and exercise classes and so many other things you can learn and check out on allomoves.com, but I just had to share that one with you. Find yourself together when you join Allo Moves. Join the community on allomoves.com today and use code FATMASCARA20 for an exclusive 30-day free trial plus 20% off an annual membership. That's allomoves.com code MASCARA20 for a 30-day free trial plus 20% off an annual membership. Again, that's allomoves.com and the code is MASCARA20. Would be because I think there are a lot of people who would describe themselves that way who don't actually look that way. It's what we talked about before, where we all are harsher to ourselves than we are to other women. In yeah, a way. but then there are other characters in the book too. Like there's Moira, who's her roommate, who's um, who's black, and there's another friend who's blonde and supposed to be stunningly beautiful, named Larissa, who's at risk for the virus. Um, and sometimes what I do when I'm writing fictional characters, because as you were saying, you need to have a physical image. And yeah. so sometimes I do use physical images. I like to, just, I don't know, I feel kind of guilty admitting this, but I like to go on Facebook and what I'll do is I'll click through to friends or acquaintances' photos and then look at their photos of their other friends that I don't know. And sometimes I'll pull up images and I'll use a, a face, like then I can have a face in front of me to to write a character. So there's someone on Facebook that is like a killer blonde that you are describing. Well, actually, the killer blondes in the novel were inspired by a Gucci ad that ran in about oh. 2009, and it was these four women in like safari wear and jungle wear, and they were very, very emaciated, as you know, sometimes models are, and they just looked like they were ready to kill somebody. They look kind of vampiric. Like, oh, listen, I work at a fashion magazine. I feel like half of our photo shoots that we do are like women that are just like hate the world and want to kill someone. <laughs> they never look happy to me. But it brings up a good point, which is sort of, you know, advertising and media, a lot of it is super retouched. Even those women were probably not as skinny as they were retouched to be. And, you know, it's become a political issue a bit. There's a, there's a bill in Congress right now, it hasn't been voted on, um, about retouching. Where Do we want to have the Federal Trade Commission look at advertisements and see if they are retouched, and if they are, is that harming people? So I wanted to check in with you ladies, since you're sort of all about this world right now. Do you think it's okay that we retouch photos, and do you think there's any harm in that? Phoebe, do you wanna go ahead? Um, I mean, I don't mind the occasional retouching. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. For my book to cover, I was like, I saw the original shot, and I was like, this is my face. I like this picture. I noticed that I have laugh lines because I tend to laugh a lot. So I was like, if we could just minimize that, that'd be great. But it wasn't like, I wasn't like, make, make my face thinner. I was like, I don't want to do that. Right. But just like, you clean know, it up a bit. clean it up a little bit. I think it's fine. But I, I definitely do think because they're like, I don't know, like on Instagram, people are like photoshopping pictures to be free. And like, it's, it's fucking Instagram. It should just be like you take a picture, you just throw it up, you put like a funny caption, but like it's no longer just magazines. Like people think they have to Photoshop their own pictures. Right, because if you there's a I mean? bill and we're doing it for magazines, like are you going to go on the Instagram feed of that girl that's everybody's friends here who you know facetuned the shit out of her face? <laughs> yeah, so. and you can't say anything to be like, great picture, and it's like everyone knows the lie. Like but you we don't all look like that. Yeah, you don't look like that, and you don't need to look like that. So yeah. I do think that like Photoshopping has kind of mutated into a thing that was just like a tweaks here and there to now a, a, something that's become aspirational. And I think 
people especially who are younger and haven't grown up in a world where you like don't have to photoshop your own personal pictures yeah they think that 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 is like normal right and that's what they should do in order to be pretty in order for guys to like them in order for them to have friends so that's the part where it's like this is it's gotten out of control in my opinion and autumn when you were researching your book you did a lot of research on what it means, like, scientifically, what women think about when they see these retouched images. What did you come away with thinking about this whole topic? You know, it's interesting. I think that the truth in advertising bill, I'd like to see it pass because I think that we as consumers should be aware when a product is being sold to us under Photoshop, Photoshopped guys. That said, I think that a lot of the talk about Photoshop is making us all hate ourselves is sort of overblown. I feel like First of all, what it does, I feel like it can rob women of the agency to look at an image critically and be like, yeah, I know what's going on there. We do all know what's going on in, in images. That said, we also have a knee-jerk reaction to it because images are very you know, dear to our heart. What I found was that um, we've really, as a culture, focused pretty strongly on the negative impact the images have had on us, idealized images. But in fact, we have a range of reactions to idealized images. Um, we can have the comparison uh, reaction where we look at an ideal image and are like, oh gosh, I'll never look like that because she looks amazing and I look human. But you can also look at an image and have an identification response where you look at an idealized image and feel more ideal yourself. And there have been studies that have shown this. And so it's interesting to me that I, I feel, you know, as a feminist, of course, I want images to help women's lives, not hurt them. But it's interesting that we've focused only on the ways in which images have harmed us instead of the richer ways that we actually interact with them. Um, and I, it's interesting to see how that plays out, how that does play out on our social media feeds. Um, I remember, like, when social media was a new thing, like on Friendster, people didn't really know what picture. You yeah, just Friendster. Friendster. I totally just dated myself. <laughs> Friendster, yo. Um, you people didn't really know what pictures to post of themselves. So it was this weird thing Nobody of like. Nobody had a headshot no, back then. Everybody's no. got a headshot now. Well, yeah. it's funny though because I my first online profile, like I put my senior picture on, like Your from literal high school, Facebook picture, literal, exactly. And it, and it's funny now because I feel like now we know if you post a picture that's too idealized of yourself, then you're gonna like fall short and people meet you and they're like, oh, you don't look like that. Yeah. So we've also had to, had this response of like you have to really know what you look like to have like, a successful social media presence. So. And, and what about you, Georgia? Are you down with this bill? Are you, do you think there needs to be regulation? Or do you think it's like, we all know what's going on? I think the bill's a good idea. I think it's a good thing to give uh, like something that's actionable. Like There's a lot of talk right now about the anti-photoshopping movement, and I think we're all generally on the same page. But as apart from all of the personal growth that we can do around that, like I think it's good to have something that is um, like a, it seems like a progressive political step forward. I know it's a Republican that put it forward, which is so interesting. I'm like curious to see how it might play out, if it might just be another example of like men telling women what to do with their bodies. Like it sort of could be a conservative sort of thing in the end, but yeah. we'll, I guess we'll have to wait and see. I feel like the, like what's important to me and I think what, you know, it's sort of part of my values as a creator is rather than having, like, less photoshopped images of, of very beautiful women, just to create and have more diverse faces and bodies in the media and in pop culture. And mm -hmm. that's kind of, I think, a better, like, thing to 
like agitate for and also to sort of like support create like if you're a creator just to be kind of aware um and i'm i'm you know sure that that's something that we're already doing but like to make sure that you're just like not putting forth a, a straight white yeah, and male when, cast and but when you say diversity and and maybe this will be one of our last questions what is diverse these days because i know when they do diversity at a fashion magazine where i work it's like skinny pretty people but there's a black one and an indian and a what you know it's not yeah. diverse like you look out into real people and diversity so do, have you phoebe have you ever have you noticed a change in the way people are trying to be more inclusive or do you still feel like diversity has a way to go we're like barely there uh i mean i feel like it's kind of gotten better what but about like, when you're auditioning Oh, it's a, it's a dumpster fire still. It's still, <laughs> it's still like, it's always like I'm like the best friend. I'm never the love interest. It's either best friend or it's an assistant to like some like asshole white dude. I'm like, oh, Gary. And it's like, <laughs> I'm like amused by him being like a, a jerk off. And th that's it. I'm never, I'm never the lead of my own story. Like, like my character like has no Like you could no be end. in the movie, but you're not going to be the Right. Lead. Like I don't have, there's no internal motivation. And you know, I've gotten to a place where like, I tell my agents where I, I would be like, I'm not auditioning for this. This is garbage. Like I straight up would be like, this is offensive. I'm not going to perpetuate this. But I, I mean, I feel like what's gotten better is that there's technology. So it's like, you can just create your own web series or you can like, you know, write your own books. I guess there's also like, well, you can always have write your own books, but I guess the point is, is that like, <laughs> that's like not new. Um, but you know, I, part of the reason why I got a book deal was because of my blog. So that's like technology. There we go. <laughs> I figured it out. You can have, a, you can have a WordPress or whatever. But so basically you, there, there's a way for people who haven't seen themselves reflected mm -hmm. to get their voices out. And in that way there, other people will gravitate towards that and be like, Oh, there's, there's value in that. Because I think a lot of times if you're not the standard, people go, there's no value in that so you kind of have to prove it first and then people go oh I guess I'll give you a little it's a little bit it's not what I would give like the straight white dude so I I feel like things are slowly changing but it's also like but like it's on I, us to keep them to right. like, make your own things so that it will keep changing yeah and we have to like bring other people along like I'm excited like for instance fresh off the boat is an amazing show but it's like that shouldn't be the only show that has Asian leads. Like that's right. insane. Like to beware me. of tokenism. Right. But and they've been very smart about like that show is not trying to represent the in entire Asian experience. Right. It's like it's very specific in a way that's also universal. Mm -hmm. So I think it's people just have to make it a priority to want to have diverse voices in comedy and literature and life and advertisement and beauty and. Most people don't make it a priority because most people don't care. It's, it feels great to say, I care and I want diversity, but it's a lot of work to actually do it, especially if that's not your instinct to care about other people who don't look like you. And I think and it's so. hard as well, like, to, it does require you going outside of your own experience and that's like definitely a tricky thing. Like I really want to have like a diverse range of characters and you know, that means that you have to like, 
uh, like ask people and seek out that information and that is more work. It's so easy to write something from your perspective. Like, I'm like a queer Australian, so I can write a million stories about like queer Australians, but like it's so much harder for me uh, to sort of do the work of getting into other perspectives, but it's, it's, it's vital and it's really, you have a responsibility too, I think to do that Absolutely. in this day and age. You guys especially, as authors and creators, you're the ones that are gonna be able to push this uh, conversation forward. Um, so I think we're about out of time for our panel part, but I know you guys probably have questions for our panelists. Um, anybody wanna, wanna start out with a question? I think that some of us are here because we are, we are women creators, um, and this is less of a beauty question and more of like navigating in a world where you're like not necessarily using your beauty to like get in the door. Like I noticed that like LinkedIn is supposed to be this forum for like helping you acquire new opportunities for work, but I feel like it's become like this extension of like Facebook and people are like sending their photos along with resumes because like now all of a sudden it's like people need to know what you look like before they hire you or look at your skill set. So I guess since all of you are in a successful place, like how have you like kind of not used your beauty to like ascend up the ranks? Yeah, I think, you, I, honestly, you just have to self-create. That's like the only way. Like, nobody was like, oh, we want to hear what Phoebe has to say. Like, all of my stuff, I just sort of like self-generate. And it led to, like, when Jess and I started our show, we were just doing it at UCB East as just because we had fun hanging out with each other. And then it turned into, I was like, hey, we should make it a podcast. And I was like, maybe we can just like tape it ourselves and just throw it up on iTunes. And she was like, well, maybe we can make it a little more professional, go like WNYC. And I was like, good point. <laughs> but I was just really just, I think you just have to find out like what turns you on creatively and just make yourself the star of like your content. Because I mean, I think even when women are successful, there's like, Amy Schumer is like the female comedian right now, which is like cool, but there's like thousands of female comedians, but it gets reduced to like, she's like the only one that could be on top right now. So I think you just really, if you self-create and just, just throw a lot of stuff out there, a lot of things like may not be good. You know what I mean? Like garbage blog posts everywhere. I've been like, that is terrible. I'm embarrassed, whatever. And you just create your own stuff because fuck LinkedIn. Fuck LinkedIn. Can I say that? Is that okay? <laughs> like, I'm wanting to... It's so dumb. Like, it, it helps in a way, but I feel like doing your own stuff, you become your calling card, and you're going to... The people are going to gravitate towards you that have the same uh, mind like... Like mind? Is that the word? I can't talk. I've been talking all day for work, so I'm like, <laughs> bleh. But like attracts like. And so if you're doing stuff that you love you're, and people get you... Those are going to be the people that you want to work with anyway. So, like, most of the work is done by you just doing what you want to do. You know, Don't play the game. Be genuine, I feel yeah. like, is what you're saying. Yeah. Autumn, oh, you, thanks. <laughs> Autumn, you were saying? Yeah, I'm going to jump in on the idea that you are your own calling card, because that's absolutely true. And this sort of goes back to the, the question, like, as far as related to beauty. I sort of had to recognize that, like, frankly, there is a sweet spot of, like, looking 
pretty enough, but not looking too pretty. Because like any woman who's ever, you know, I'm, I'm a writer, not a performer. If you're a woman who writes and your picture is out there in any way, people will critique you for either side. And so for me, it was a thing of like, okay, well, let's try to hit that sweet spot, you know, like don't look like you're trying too hard, which is just a mirror really of what I think I, I experienced just before I started writing at all. Like just women, how do you look like you are just naturally pretty, but not like you're striving to be pretty. And that's just, so it's just really like a magnifying glass on what I think women face already for, for myself. Yeah, when I was first starting to write, I had a blurry author photo that my husband took in a grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> and then for my second novel, which, um, my second novel I said I don't want an author photo, period. So we didn't put one out with it. And I probably would have gotten more reviews if I'd had an author photo. And then... Good tip. Yeah. Now I live in New York. All of that was back in Toronto in the days before Facebook when you could maybe get away with not having an author photo. Um, now I have author photos. And my... So The Blondes just came out and I'm working on the next book and I don't know when it will come out soon, I think. But it's kind of a butchy book. Like, it's about men and it's about prohibition. And it's tough. And my writing is actually quite... Um, hard and then I look soft and that sometimes confuses people and so my husband said to me go to a professional author shoot and so I called up a friend who's a photographer you know it's not like I booked someone I didn't know and uh, and I went to her house and I had three different outfits and we did a photo shoot but I made sure that my tattoo was showing in all of them because I was like <laughs> this is a hard ass book so the author photo branding. has to branding it's all about branding it has to suit a little bit and actually I have to admit that I was much happier with the photos she took because I feel like I look more like myself. Even though I changed outfits several times, I look much more like myself and I feel like it suits the material. So to me, it's about suiting the material. But I mean, you know, before I didn't have great author photos and I still managed to do okay because I think people will take you seriously um, if you take yourself seriously and you put out good work. Um, other questions for any of our panelists? Um, I think all of you are great, but who inspired you and like, made you want to be where you are today? Ooh. Who wants, uh, Autumn's got oh, one ready. I will, I will, I will say unabashedly Naomi Wolf, um, who in the years since the beauty myth has sort of gone in a very different direction, um, but her book was incredibly important for women. I'm 40 years old, so for like Generation X women um, was enormously important, just the ideas that she was, she was really one of the early prominent voices talking about how the ways that beauty was affecting us and that was just crucial for me so that's yeah. Emily I have no idea um, oh okay I thought you were like that's not true this no, is no. <laughs> no I was sitting there befuddled like going like I don't know my parents you know um Do you want to think uh, and what about you Georgia well one um like really important pop culture experience for me was Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, I, yeah, yes. chosen one fans. Um, Buffy was a show that came on when I was in my first year uni, like I was like 19 or 20. Wait, is that high school or college? Uh, college. Okay. And uh, it was back when there was like five TV channels in Australia and Buffy was on one of them. And it wasn't until I started watching Buffy that I realized that all the other shows that I watched and, like, enjoyed were 
like sexist and um, they weren't inclusive. And like within pop culture, like I sort of had, I was a student activist, like a pretty political student activist and I had very high standards for the company I kept and I was always at a rally, like if there was a spray painted t-shirt, I was wearing it um, with, you know, a new kind of like demand every week. But then I would kind of watch Friends or Seinfeld and be like, oh, this is great. And when I watched Buffy, I was like, oh, this is a show about female power and there are gay, like queer characters on it. Like we all remember, Will well, hopefully we all remember Willow and Tara. And um, it was, and that really kind of made me realize like, oh, that's kind of what I want to do. It's like, I want to make pop culture that is funny and entertaining, but has like a progressive set of values. And that isn't something that when I watch it, I'm just having to ignore the sexist parts or like just sort of like ignore the parts that like, are, you, you just, you, you edit out stuff so much and that was a show that was very like sort of meaningful mm -hmm. for me. What about you Phoebe? Um, Mentors, pop culture that you've looked up to? Yeah I mean uh, so I didn't really listen to much stand-up until I started doing stand-up because I got into it just on a whim because a friend wanted to take a stand-up class so I took it with her but like growing up I my show was Felicity and I was like, this is going to be my life. I'm going to move to New York and wear chunky sweaters and have two guys really be into that. And like, that didn't happen. I was like, okay, cool. Um, but there's, I, I find like inspiration in like all sorts of things, like, like music. Like I love, I love going to concerts. Like that's like my church for me where I feel like really inspired and I feel like really hopeful about humanity. Uh, but then there's all, you know, like I read... Wait, what, what shows are we talking about? Well, literally, YouTube? like, obviously... Yeah, don't tell us YouTube. <laughs> obviously YouTube, but, like, they're my favorite band. Don't judge me. I judge myself enough for it. Um, but it's also, like, literally any concert. Like, I went and I saw Erica Badu for the first time, like, three weeks ago. She was, like, incredible. So it's that was your first time? My first time seeing her, yeah. Um, and because I... That's like church. You get a good feeling. Yeah, so I get inspired by that. But then I, I read it... Because my book is an essay collection. So I read like a lot of essay collections. And like someone like Mindy Kaling, like I think she's so funny and hilarious. And she's her own boss. And so I really gravitate towards that. Um, so yeah, just a lot of, a lot of women inspire me. I'm going to take away Erica Badu and Felicity. If that's okay with you. Okay, sure, do it. Make a share. Yeah. Um, yes. Question back there. Good evening, everybody. I consider myself a social media observer on all major channels, and what I'm seeing now is the rise of the young, teenage, early twenty-something social media influencer who has millions of followers, and they're being paid to tweet about these products and these clothing lines, and. It's so problematic because on the one hand, social media has democratized how we project ourselves to the world. But on the other hand, it's, it's created this temple like the Oracle of Delphi of youth. Mm -hmm. And you're not necessarily seeing women over 40 with the million, dollar, million followers or the million dollar book deals or the clothing lines or the makeup lines. And I wanted to know what was your take on that? None of us have a million followers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're all in trouble. Um, I, I'm just going to put it out there. I feel like because we all have one of these now, that is part of, it's a problem, but it's also a great thing. But someone was talking about why they wear makeup and it's because 
Well, because someone's going to take a photo of me at any moment and any time, because you can't get away from cameras at this point. So I do think part of, if you're using social media as your lens for that, you are going to come away with a thought like you have, because it is very narrow focused. But if you look around this room and you look at the authors of the books on the shelves and don't just look at social media, I feel like you're going to have a more positive view of it. Do any of you guys have thoughts on that? Yeah, I also feel like that doesn't last. Like, that's not... Like, those people aren't necessarily going to have careers. Like, there's a difference between, like, being popular and having 4 million followers and then, like, what are they going to do when they're 45? I always think that, too. What, what is your skill set? They're going to facetune the shit right. out of it. Yeah, yeah. it's like, what's your, what, is your, what, is your, what are your skills? What are you going to contribute actually to the planet and to, like, whatever industry that you're in? So, like, I just think, like, yeah, it sucks that, like, certain things are popular when there are things that maybe have you feel like are better quality that aren't popular, but popularity fades. Like, to me, it, 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 it sucks in the short term, but in the long term, it, like, doesn't, I don't know, it just doesn't matter to me as much. So I, I feel, feel like, like we need to come back in 10 years. You guys will all have written another book, yeah. <laughs> and we will reassess the state of, of beauty. Um, this was such a great panel. You guys are awesome. Such smart women. Thank you for your books. Thanks for coming here tonight. Thank you. You did an amazing job moderating. Yeah, you killed it. Great work, Jen. You mentioned a lot of products and people and places and brands and things in this episode. So I just want to put it out there. If you want to find out where any of those things are, go to fatmascara.com. And you can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter and at fatmascara for both of those things. And you can also contact us directly by emailing us at info at fatmascara.com. So profesh. So profesh. Thanks for listening, guys. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff. With real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Listen, there are so many skincare products on the market claiming to help reduce fine lines and wrinkles, and you know I will try most of them. But how do you know your products are actually working? Some research to back up the claims. That's why Jess and I are all about Ritual. They created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted a clinical study to take the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual's Hyacera is now a part of my skincare routine, and I got in the habit of taking it every day by putting the cute little purple jar right next to my sunscreen. It looks nice on my vanity, and let's be honest, I love that. But once I stuck with the habit, I really noticed a difference in my skin. I am not the only one. In a clinical study, taking Hyacera for 90 days led to a 3.6 time reduction in crow's feet wrinkles as compared to placebo. 
and it led to a 2.9 increase in skin smoothness. I also like that they're easy to swallow. The capsules sort of taste like vanilla. They're not all weird and fishy like some other supplements. Plus, Ritual is a certified B Corp, something we learned about on a recent episode. And all their supplements, including the Daily Protein and their Sleep Bio Series Melatonin Supplement, are vegan, gluten-free, and made traceable. Do what Jess and I did. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash mascara. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash mascara for 25% off. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.